0: a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the California Underground. I'm your host, Phil. Apologies for the last week. was not feeling well. Uh, something came up hurting to talk, so I had to just skip the podcast for last week, but we're back, back to normal with the Coffee in California Politics, which we do every Wednesday morning on Instagram Live, and of course, every Friday afternoon, dropping the new podcast. Um, As always, a lot to get to this week, big news in the gubernatorial race, we're going to discuss that, we're going to talk about how populists can win. Or populist conservatism can continue to win here in California. So all good signs. We'll talk a little bit more about the recall. Uh but let's get started with the out of the gate monologue. Twenty twenty one is it still is holding holding in its infancy. Your, your, your and powers still has really not as much to offer. as you think they are. Now remember, around the same time last year, people were gearing up for the big Super Bowl parties across the country. Large gatherings in homes, at bars, and restaurants, but of course, this year none of that is to occur. The CDC has released guidelines telling people how to celebrate the Super Bowl this year, and Dr. Fauci has already but this won week. Americans it would be somewhere, somewhere around here, January, to be that we'd be looking at Likewise, all these local lockdowns. officials, like Supervisor Nathan Fletcher of San Diego County, have told people this is not the year to celebrate, and that if we just hold off this year, we can do more next year. Supervisor Fletcher skirted around saying. Things will be back to normal next year. Instead, said we could do more. What does that entail? Well, it's hard to say because allowing one or two households over next year for Super Bowl would certainly be more than this year, where you can't allow anyone to come over. But so far in this young year with a new administration in place, 2021 is gearing up to be the showdown of the elites versus the populace. Has been brewing for a while. This is not a new thing. Definitely started way back in 2015, 2016 with the beginning of Brexit and the election of President Trump. But the most recent battle between the two was this GameStop trading that occurred on Just Wall get Street. To give a quick synopsis of what happened, a group of retail doesn't amateur traders on the subreddit Wall Street Bet saw that a lot of hedge funds were shorting the stock for GameStop. Anything. So what this means, let me explain. So hopefully it never gets really out means, of committees. Hopefully that this is one of those these bills. Hedge funds were betting that the price was going to go down. So what happens is, is you short a stock, and then you are to buy it at a lower price when it hits that price. The problem with that is, is that if the price begins to go up instead of down, you start to lose money, and it means you could lose an infinite amount of money because there's really no stop for it. So the Reddit traders saw this opportunity and they told all its followers to buy into GameStop. All of a sudden the price skyrocketed without warning and now all these billionaire hedge fund managers were scrambling to cover losses as the price soared upwards of $400 a share. Now this caused panic on Wall Street and trading platforms like Robinhood started to halt the trading of the stock. Now this result was a shot across the bow for the little people to those in the ivory The questions gold, around ivory, that gold, and and crust, I think that's what towers. Towers. a lot of people to push back even more menacing to the little guy. Only big elites are allowed to manipulate and trade like that, not peons like you. Of course, the pushback then caused a rallying cry across the globe with investors pouring more money into GameStop. Most of the amateur investors don't really care about making any money as long as they hold a higher position than those head funds started their short at. Those billionaire hedge funds are losing money, and lots of it. In the words of Heath Ledger's Joker, it's not about the money, it's about sending a message. Now Robinhood turned its back on its customer base by siding with the hedge fund managers and protecting them over its clients, when in reality it poses and markets itself as the trading platform for the little guy, the middle class, the person who's not on Wall Street, that was Robin Hood's whole thing. Robin Hood's whole thing was, we steal from the rich to give to the poor and allow you to trade uh, as a retail investor or retail trader. Now, Janet Yellen, uh, just in case you didn't know, she was the first female treasury secretary, thanks to the Biden administration, Uh, She was paid $110,000 in speaking fees from Citadel. Citadel is the company that invests in Robinhood. And somehow, Janet Yellen skirted around ethics violations to figure out how to put down the Reddit rebellion. Senator Warren, once a self-proclaimed champion of the little guy, showed her true colors when she came out and defended the hedge funds. Op-ed pieces were now claiming the Reddit rebellion was akin to the quote, capital insurrection, and that these traitors were nothing more than domestic terrorists. Newly minted President Biden has certainly not helped his cause to show he is out to help the little guy. He appointed mostly well-connected lobbyists and former Obama swamp creatures to his cabinet. Political lifers like Pete Edge Edge, who knew nothing about transportation, was all of a sudden appointed Secretary of Transportation. His only qualification is that he is a loyal Democratic Party stooge willing to toe the line the progressive populace of the Democratic Party were basically left out in the cold. So here in California, soon to be recalled, Governor Newsom had an incredibly tone deaf moment when he replied to a question about suffering business in California by saying, quote, Ask the billionaires here, they seem to be doing pretty well, end quote. Governor Newsom misses the entire point here because the businesses the reporter was referring to were not billionaire tech companies, but rather small mom and pop businesses that are suffering under his lockdowns. Of course, Governor Newsom only cares about billionaire tech companies. Facebook recently did him a solid by removing all ads about the recall effort. A legitimate constitutionally protected right of California's was denied access to advertise on Facebook. Now, think about that again. It is a legal, constitutionally protected right that Californians can engage in. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's no hate speech. It's an actual electoral process that is allowed by our California Constitution. Facebook shut it down. There was no incitement to violence or harassment. Facebook just doesn't like the recall effort because they're buddy-buddy with Gavin Noodles. As 2021 continues to unfold, we will continue to see the coalition of big government, big tech, and big hedge funds colluding to keep the little guy in their place. Pushing a populist platform like the one President Trump won on in 2016 is not to be tolerated. You'll be called a domestic terrorist, a traitor, and you will be squashed. All the while, Biden's there as an example of the of of access corporate that money can buy. Lords, at a news conference Monday, Western whether he would continue. to... Now, what we have left to see if populist pushbacks like the Red Rebellion will continue, whether or not the people still have some recourse against their further encroachment. I believe the more big three continue to think to crowd, about down on the they're going the to little vote guys for, it's probably a very good likelihood, and this part. is all based on statistics. That is why, right. even in such a young year, I foresee this year as the elites and the populace squaring off to determine the future of this country. So it's no surprise that, uh, and this was a last minute addition, was this Time article that came out, basically saying, and this can be added on uh, before I wrote the out of the gate monologue was this whole issue that Time basically came out with this article. I haven't read the whole article yet, I've seen snippets of it, discussing how business and governments and media and all of them basically, and non-NGOs, non-governmental organizations, all work together to Basically, what they call fortify. So that's the word they're going to go with. Is that they work together to quote fortify the election against a dictator like President Trump because they were worried that President Trump was going to do something as a dictator. So they preemptively worked together to make sure they had this entire apparatus in place to see ever increasing Uh, cases of COVID and breaking records in some countries. The The question that must be asked: that big business was on their side. That big tech was on their side. And that was to, quote, fortify the election. Uh, If this is just another shot, and I think the the elites here, and by the elites, I mean these insiders, the people who are in Washington, D.C., the people who are going back to the belief that uh, things are going to go back to normal, the swamp is going to continue to be the swamp, that they think that they're just going to move along and no one's really going to notice. And that's really what's going to happen. The problem is going forward, that a lot of people are not going to forget this. I know a lot of people think that they, they woke up on January 20th, Biden became president, we can roll credits, play the happy music, everything's fine. There's still 74 million people who voted for President Trump out there. That's a big swath of the country is still out there. And as so far, they haven't really said that they want to build any bridges, but more they're basically saying you're all domestic terrorists. You're all uh, conspiracy theorists. You're all QAnon crazies. So therefore, it's time for you to heal in the sense of H-E-E-L, not heal as in H-E-A-L. It's now become you have to heal. And we can, we can unify as long as you unify under our banner and what we believe. They have to be careful. Uh, and They have to be careful because people will push back at a certain point. And I think COVID and everything that happened in 2020 gave a lot of people belief. And this is something that I advise against is that stuff like this does breed extremism and this extremism can get dangerous. And that's what I warn against. And a lot of people are starting to warn against this and sounding the alarm bells. Like one of my favorite Twitter people, Gummy Bear, said this you know, a couple weeks ago about how all of this rhetoric was really dangerous. And you gotta be careful because if you're out there to unify, you can't really go after the other side and vilify them and delegitimize them and delegitimize their voice. Because that's when you start to make people think that really is us versus them. And that's when certain sectors can start to believe the only way to get their voices heard is to be violent, to be extremist, which is dangerous. And it's it shouldn't be allowed because that's not really the point of a civil discourse in our country. So I don't believe that there should be any sort of extremist backlash. But I'm warning you that if People don't start to maybe open up a little bit and hear the other side and maybe just have a coffee or a beer with someone who didn't vote for President Biden or may have voted for President Trump and sit down with them and say, hey, why did you vote for President Trump? What do you think about happening in 2020? Have a civil discourse. It's hard. I know it's hard in today's day and age to have that sort of calm conversation. Everybody wants the gotcha moment. Everybody wants to walk away and think that they own somebody. But I think it's really important that we start to, if the big tech and media and all that aren't going to do it, it's very important for us as the citizens to slowly start to reach out to people from the other aisle and say, hey, why did you vote for President Biden? Why did you not like President Trump? Why did I vote for President Trump? Stuff like that. Those are the things that we really need to be focused on moving forward. Because pushing and pushing and pushing and doing these acts like this, it's just going to lead to further extremism, more divide and a polarization of our country. It makes it really, really dangerous going down the line even more. Um, so enough about that. I, I haven't read the whole article yet, but it is sort of the big news today. I, I was a little bit busy with everything else. Um, but yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff on it. There, you know, Breitbart did a whole piece on it, talking about it that uh, they protected or fortified the election and stuff like that is really what gets people upset. It makes you feel like you're rubbing your face in it. Um, And people are going to get upset and people are going to be very angry moving forward. But in other news here in California, great news as we are like barreling towards the magic number to get the recall on the ballot. 1.4, as of the last time I saw, 1.4 million signatures have been collected. Verified signatures have been collected. Now, obviously, the goal is to get way more than that. You want to get around like 2 million uh, before the end of this because you want to make sure that there's no funny business, that they don't go back and say, well, there's duplicates or or, this or... You just want to give yourself enough of a cushion because they're going to play some sort of games when they go through these vote through signatures. And the running joke is you'll see all of a sudden Democrats are all in favor of auditing signatures and votes now when there's a recall against one of their their precious Democratic politicians like Gavin Newsom. So you'll all of a sudden see them believe in signature audit. And the fact that they're scared and the fact that they are calling it a QAnon conspiracy, it's a coup. It's not a coup. It's a actual, we've gone over this before, is a constitutionally protected a uh, device here in California, as it is in, in plenty of other states, that you can use if you are not satisfied with an elected leader. You can do recalls from the state all the way down to your city level. There, are, you can recall basically anyone. Here in San Diego, they're already getting a recall going for one of the city council members. So, recall is now becoming sort of the tool of the minority here in California, which I, you know. I don't think it's a bad idea. It's a tool left there so that people could do it if they want to. And it's definitely a tool to say, hey, you're, you're going beyond what you're elected to do. You've really been uh, negligent in your duties. I think it's a great tool if you're, uh, you feel like you're in the minority here in California, where you're outnumbered by Democrats, uh, basically two to one. So it's a tool to use. It's definitely it, it's legal. They've been following all the protocols to do this correctly. It is a legal process. So the fact that Facebook is censoring it, the fact that Facebook has blocked all the ads, I mean, there's no reason, they didn't really give a reason. They just said, well, it's we don't like it, so we're just gonna, I'm sure they figured out one of their many guidelines to get rid of the ads on Facebook. I mean, they could decline advertising money. They don't have to accept every single person. But it seems weird if they were paying advertising dollars and all of a sudden they turn around, they made money off their advertising dollars. And now they're going to turn around and say, well, we don't want your advertising dollars anymore because we're friends with Gavin Newsom. So 1.4, we're close. It's 1.45 is the number. So 50,000, it seems like every couple days, it seems like it's jumping bigger and bigger in numbers. You know, keep in mind, it's been getting a lot of cash infusions by people even in Silicon Valley. One of those was uh, I can't pronounce his name correctly, but it was Chamat. I think I am saying that correctly. He's a big Facebook executive. He did tease that he was going to run for governor. He's thinking about running for governor, which would have made it really interesting because he says he's a moderate Democrat. Uh, obviously, a billionaire has more than enough money to do whatever he wants. He could definitely run and support himself in a, a gubernatorial election. Plus, as a Democrat, he could put a big hurtin' on Gavin Newsom. No matter how much money Gavin Newsom raises, this guy could have just easily thwarted him and how much money he had. Uh, and it sounded like he didn't even really want to take a salary as governor. Uh, he had some interesting ideas. He wanted to bring the state income tax down to 0%. Uh, some other things, he wants to be more pro-business. But it looks like now that he's not going to run and I think people were scared of him because the SFK actually ran a huge smear campaign against him. The fact that there was even a rumor out there that he might run scared people because now he's not running, but let's say let's play this out hypothetically. Let's say there's a recall effort and it goes and it passes and then there's a recall election. Now, what would happen is everyone would have to run for governor like it's a wide open race. I mean, Gavin Newsom is removed, but he can run again. So... He could run again. You could reelect him. But if you put in someone like this Shamat, who is a moderate Democrat, now all of a sudden you have this issue of, well, do they go with Gavin Newsom as a Democrat? Does it split the vote a little bit more? Uh, Does it open the door for another contender like the next guy I'm going to talk about a little bit more? Kevin Faulkner, does it open the door for him? So it would have made it a little bit more interesting if he stayed in the race Um, but it doesn't look like he's going to stay in the race anymore. However, he did donate to the recall effort, so I don't think he's going anywhere. And it's just a sign that if Silicon Valley and the investors are starting to put money into this recall, that they're not necessarily incredibly over the moon with Gavin Newsom either. Now, keep in mind, things like Oracle have left, Tesla has left. There are a lot of big companies that are Bay Area companies that are leaving California for greener pastures. Sadly, they're going to Texas, which means that they're bringing a lot of their people with them to Texas, um, you know, the whole don't California, my Texas. But it, it should be harrowing for a lot of these tech companies that they can't really grow their business here in California with the overregulation and the, the high taxes. And you're starting to see a little bit of that pushback from Silicon Valley investors like this Shamat, who are donating to the recall to get Gavin out of there. It also, I think, is indicative... there are a lot of moderate Democrats out there who are probably upset with Gavin Newsom. Now, keep in mind, the California GOP did not jump on this recall until very late in the game. So the recall had really gotten all the way up to about 800,000 signatures. And we talked about it on this show. It was really a grassroots sort of effort by a couple guys who started it. it Picked up steam. It was social media. It was totally grassroots. And then it got up to about 800,000 signatures before the California GOP really got on board, which shows you that it's not really a Republican thing. It's not like the California GOP said, well, we're going to kick off this recall effort and we're going to try and recall Gavin Newsom. It made a good amount of distance before the Republicans even got involved. So that goes to show you that this recall effort is really a supported by a crisscross of people not only republicans probably independents probably moderate democrats who are getting on board with this now and now with a huge influx of cash that seems to be coming in at the last minute they can send out more uh mail they can send out more advertising they can maybe they start doing a press in the last month with tv ads or something like that but we'll see And, and and you're starting to see that all of the Momentum is coming together at the last moment, and it—I mean—they're very, very close to getting the official number. Of course, they want to go over. Of course, they want to go way past that, to be safe. But I think when the number hits the number that we're all looking to hit—well, 1.45 million—it's going to show people that we, we that they did it, and they're going to keep pushing to say, "Well, we got to keep collecting more and more signatures." It also shows maybe the rest of the country that a recall signature count actually worked and that we're trying to get rid of Gavin Newsom. Um, may send shockwaves through the political, the national political uh, news, which I wholeheartedly believe it will. But one man who has stepped onto the stage and actually I think scares Gavin Newsom the most someone I talked about a lot was Kevin Faulkner. Kevin Faulkner if you don't know who he is, he's the former two-term, they say two-term mayor of san diego he took over for bob filner after bob filner left and then he won his own election and had served out his four-year term so he just finished his four-year term this past december and turned it over to uh, radical leftist super progressive todd gloria so talk about a absolute about face 180 for san diego to go from a moderate republican to a radical left But Kevin Faulkner, who had always kind of teased running for governor, he was teased as running for governor back in 2018. There was a poll. He'd never even announced that he was actually running for governor back in 2018. And he was, of all the polls and all the people who were suspected to run for governor, including Gavin Newsom, he was second right behind Gavin Newsom. And he hadn't even announced or said that he was interested in running. Um, Back then, he didn't run. I obviously went to John Cox. We all know the story with John Cox. He went and disappeared, uh, hit under a rock or something. I, I don't know. He never really wanted to campaign against Gavin Newsom. God forbid. I hope. Please, John Cox, if you hear this, please do not run again. Please, please, please just stay out of it. You were an awful candidate in 2018. You may be a great guy and whatever you're doing behind the scenes for the California Republicans, fine, but just don't run for governor again. Thank you. You know, help organize super PACs or stuff like that to switch the state legislature. But please don't run for governor again. Um, So Kevin Faulkner has now officially stepped onto the stage as of this past week. And no surprise, I knew he was teasing at it. I knew he'd probably be one of the biggest choices. I think he's stepping on the stage at a right time for Kevin Faulkner to really step up and build a coalition. Now, a lot of people, I've, I've been going back and forth on this on Instagram. A lot of people saying, well, they don't like Kevin Faulkner. They say he's he's, he's too liberal. He's a rhino. And uh, we don't need more career politicians and stuff like that. We need someone better. Or we need Major Williams or blah, blah, blah. Well, we all know if you tuned in this past week on my Instagram live on Coffee and California Politics on Wednesday morning at 9 a.m., you would have seen you would have heard me talk about Major Williams and the whole issue there. I Major Williams is too conservative, he won't be governor. Period. End of story. Kevin Faulkner, and I've said this before, and I'll continue to say it because I'm going to stand by it. California to turn around is going to be like turning an aircraft carrier around. A lot of people are not going to be crazy. Maybe the hard, hard conservatives, people who are really conservative, may not be happy or be over the moon, Kevin Faulkner. But it's going to take a long, the California GOP is going to take a while to turn California around, okay? You don't just snap your fingers and change everything overnight. I know a lot of people think that's how it was going to be. Everyone thought 2016, They, they you know, Trump won this huge election and it was going to change everything. Things move a little bit slower. And that's sort of a good thing of our system is that things take a while to change, they set it up that way. So we're not at the whims of one man or one dictator. But Kevin Faulkner, I think, is stepping on the stage at the perfect time right now. He's a moderate Republican. Yes, he's. I'm going to admit he's a moderate Republican by any other standards. By national standards, yes, Kevin Faulkner is a moderate Republican. But you have to look at what he did going into this. He was the mayor of San Diego, one of the three coastal cities here in California. The other two coastal cities are run by Garcetti and London Breed. Well, now San Diego's joined the, the, the club with Todd Gloria. But Kevin Faulkner won an election in a coastal city here in California. That's a big deal to say that you can do that, it means he was able to appeal to a broad spectrum of voters. And to break it down for you, remember, the Democrats hold a 49% registration advantage here in California. So 49, that's a two to one to Republicans who only hold 25%. And yes, the other 25% is independent. So Republicans and independents make up one percentage more of Democrats, but still Democrats hold 50% of the registered voters. To win a statewide race like governor, you're going to need to build a coalition of Democrats, independents, and Republicans. Meaning you can't just rely on Republicans. Even if he won every single Republican vote, it doesn't matter if Democrats could still demolish us. He would have to win basically the majority of the Republicans, which I think Republicans would come out and support him. He would have to win a very sizable majority of independents. So now he's chipping away. And he would have to pull a lot of Democrats over. And Another thing about Kevin Faulkner that makes him more appealable to slowly start turning California around, and I'm going to get to that point in a minute, is the fact that he is what I believe California Republicans need to start focusing on, which is this moderate sort of conservative who is basically free market, basically... Lower taxes, smaller government, but also lives up to the ideals of what California is. And I've said this before about California California is an innovative state. They think outside the box, they focus on stuff like the environment. That's not a terrible thing. It's not a terrible thing to think about the environment. So there are things that, yes, a lot, and I can understand why people look at Kevin Faulkner and say, oh my God, he's a rhino. He's just a liberal. He's really a Democrat is the fact that he believes in these things that a lot of Californians just sort of do believe in, like a better, cleaner environment, you know, cleaner water, cleaner air, better public transportation, stuff like that. That's a lot of things that are crossover issues that can win Democrats and independents to his side. Now, if you're just someone who is a hard conservative and you come out and you say, well, I want lower taxes, I want a smaller government, I don't want to care about the environment, and I don't really care about being innovative. Or, or trying to in, increase public transportation or something like that, you're not going to win a lot of Californians because a Californian, California is a weird state politically. And really, there's a lot of people who really have nowhere else to go but Democrats. Obviously, independent is not a party, so there is no independent party. And the Republicans have done a bad job of really seizing on these issues and making them their own. And I think when you combine a free market ideal of look, bring your companies to California. And I think he'd said this in his ad that it used to be a land of promise where businesses and tech and innovation, creativity sort of were fostered here in California. And that's why we have these big tech companies. That's why we had a Tesla is because that, that was the California promise. Now there's no promise for California or businesses that want to change the world and do better and help the environment or stuff like that because it's just too burdensome to do anything like that here in California. Those are issues I think a lot of Californians can get behind. And when the Republicans don't offer any solutions to that, and they just don't want to talk about it, then people go over to the Democrats. But I think there's a argument to be made. and I think he kind of hinted at it in his ad that we need to be more open for these businesses and for these entrepreneurs and these creative minds to come to California, think outside the box, follow that California promise and really become what, you know, become what California used to be, which was innovation, forward thinking, um, free market kind of huge industries where a lot of people could get in middle class, upper middle class, Excuse me. So I think those are issues that he's trying to bring over to his side now to say, look, we believe in those issues too. We just think there's a more efficient and economical way to get to those issues. Um, he also released uh, an ad in Spanish where he did speak Spanish. So I don't think Gavin Newsom can speak Spanish. That's a big deal. Uh, I guess supposedly he's been learning it since he was a little kid. So he knows how to speak Spanish. Uh, that's a big deal, I think. Um, and Republicans, I think, can really make inroads in the Latino community. I think a lot of the Republicanism is very appealable to the Latino community, so I think that that's another avenue to go. So there's a lot of things, and I understand a lot of people might get give me a lot of hate and say, oh, "I don't like Kevin Faulkner. You're just gushing on Kevin Faulkner." I just want to slowly start turning this state around. And I think if you have your best shot in this one guy who can change things, maybe change what the California Republican Party looks like, maybe change the voter registration a little bit so it's not so lopsided. Maybe if he's the gateway forward for what a California Republican looks like. That's not a terrible thing. Remember, we want it, we've want we talked about on this show and on Instagram Live, we've talked about this idea of moving California from a deep blue state. to Would you be happy if in five years it's a purple state? It's a competitive state where it's not always just super dark blue and progressive. Now it's a progressive state or a purple state. I think a lot of people I talk to say, well, yeah, I'd take a purple state at this point. If that's where we are in five years where we're a purple state and now Republicans and this new idea of California Republicans is more viable, it's more uh, appealable to everybody to more voters they're picking up more voter registration we're flipping more seats and now all of a sudden we're competitive and it's not so just well we're, it's just democrats and it's always gonna be democrats which you, i think i'd be incredibly happy with that at this point because so far it feels like you're just in a sea of blue but if we could start to slip it back to a little bit more purple you may surprise and shock the nation which leads me to the next thing I want to talk about, which is this article. Um, it, it was in America, the American conservative titled how Populist conservatives can win in California. The Golden State has long been a hub of progressivism, but the hell brought by big tech and big government might yet change that. Uh, so it's a, a big article. Again, show links or the article is always linked in the show notes. So if you ever want to go read the whole thing, I just read little snippets for you. Uh, You can go ahead and find it there, and then you can go share it with a lot of people. Um, So the article starts off, it talks about uh, the misrule of California, and it talks about uh, how the Electoral College, 55 votes, always go to uh, the Democrats. The article goes on to say, voter ID laws and Electoral College margins aside, the time has come as the Democrats flip Arizona and Georgia for Republicans to go on the offensive in enemy territory. To do so would consolidate the great realignment the GOP begun by President Trump from the party of big business to a multi-ethnic, multi-racial, populist nationalist workers party. The Democrats fear this threat to the status quo under which they've been having their cake and eating it too, calling themselves a party of the people while working hand in glove with the country's media, tech, and globalist business establishment. It's true that California broke big for Joe Biden on Election Day, but a raft of propositions favored by state progressives were also defeated. A ballot measure reinstating affirmative action in the UC system was rejected. Propositions expanding rent control and increasing property taxes on businesses were also defeated. Prop 22, allowing app-based drivers to remain independent contractors instead of being characterized as employees, blunted the efforts of labor laws and judicial rulings meant to redesign the gig economy. Michelle Steele and Young Kim, two Asian American Republicans, retook Democrat-controlled House seats that has been part of a blue wave in 2018. After public outcry over viral videos of California restaurant owners having to shut down. Activists start collecting signatures to recall Governor Gavin Newsom. Newsom then abruptly changed course, canceling statewide stay-at-home orders last Monday, arguably to take some of the heat off himself and redirect it at local officials. Um, to be fair, it didn't happen quite that quickly. Uh, the recall was going on for a long time. I think he just saw the writing on the wall that it was picking up steam. Republican officials should go to the tent cities and the exurbs of the three-hour communities of California. They should meet with those sleeping in cars between work shifts and make the case for how and why the tyranny of tech goes well beyond speech censorship. Uh, Senators like Josh Hawley and others should also speak near the sites of California's formal industrial glory. In the Los Angeles area, for instance, there's no better backdrop for an American first message than the Citadel and Commerce and the plant in Van Nuys. Both our former auto plants have been turned into sacred temples of globalization, shopping malls, Long Beach and Burbank airports where Boeing, Lockheed and McDonnell Douglas once made aircraft are other reminders of a time when California built things and paid its workers well to build them. Um, the home price is over 700,000 as California becoming a quick, quickly becoming a two-tier state, the uber-rich and the class that relies on their largesse for jobs. Instead of denying climate change or pie-in-the-sky fantasies of a zero-emission economy, a nimble California conservatism would advocate for policies geared towards adapting to climate change, such as coastline protection, desalination plants, and forest thinning. Conservatives should also make the case relentlessly and unapologetically for nuclear power as an integral part of the green energy solution. Because nuclear outperforms renewables on price and reliability, California conservatives would be able to send a message that there is such a thing as practical environmental policy. Finally, on the housing front, Republicans should aggressively push deregulation to add housing units, and they should make Democrats own housing costs by pointing out as urban studies, Professor Joel Kotkin has the unholy trinity of labor unions, large developer and government bureaucrats are officially limiting the housing supply and driving up the cost of construction. Uh, so, like I said, the whole idea of environmentalism, which was not always a Republican thing or a Republican issue, can now all of a sudden, I think someone like a Kevin Faulkner or I mean any Republican going forward, this really should be the roadmap for most Republicans going forward, is that we can attack environmentalism here in California. It is an important issue. I think there's a lot of people who, when asked would say, well, if you could attack or solve a lot of environmental issues in an economical efficient manner that doesn't raise taxes or make things harder to live in California, a lot of people would probably just say yes. And I think conservatives have to say there are ways to do this without having the government do it for us at an enormous cost and enormous tax hikes. Uh article goes on to talk about the idea of how to reach out to minorities that Democrats use are the party of anti-racism while Republicans they suggest are the party of whiteness and institutional racism. Uh, The answer is that many non-white California voters are less inherently liberal than progressive Democrats would like us to believe the differences are papered over by willing accomplices in the media, such as the LA times claiming that Newsom recall is orchestrated by the fringe right how could a Democrat possibly oppose a lockdown or insisting that young Asian Americans are overwhelmingly in favor of affirmative actions? Uh, if Republicans relentlessly pursue a populist message on bread and butter issues, aka kitchen table politics, like I co- like to call them, like housing and energy costs and point out the big tech and de-industrialization go hand in hand that it costs nothing to the offshoring bottom line of Silicon Valley to embrace slogans like Black Lives Matter, then the party may reach an inflection point millions of californians may yet to come understand that the political choice is not between anti-racism and white supremacy but woke crony capitalism and economic populism again i think that's where a lot of republican has to go here in the state of california i've said this before kitchen table politics wins out i think 2020 was a weird election we'll probably be looking back on 2020 for years to come i mean we're going to be looking at 2020 for the rest of 2021 so we don't really know what happened there and um, but most of the time, kitchen table politics wins. This populist idea wins whether it's out and about or someone like a Barack Obama comes along and, and really toes the line and gives it lip service. Now, I'll give Barack Obama a lot of credit. He came out and did a great job making him seem making himself seem like a populist like a person of the people, like a revolutionary outsider, a person of the people. That's really what a populist is, is someone who is for the people, kind of like Andrew Jackson, who's now being replaced by Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill. Andrew Jackson was the first populist president, really the first president that got into the White House by representing the people, as opposed to at that point, which was still just the elites and Washington insiders. Yep, that's right. Back then, there was still even a swamp back then when Andrew Jackson was the seventh president of the United States. Populism, I think, wins in a lot of elections, whether you, whether it's it's out in front or that's really what your campaign is central around. And I think that's really this populist idea resonates with a lot of people. And there's a lot of people, I think, in California who can get behind this populist idea. And bringing it I guess full circle back to what we talked about at the top of the show is that this is really now becoming the elites versus the populists. And I think the Democratic Party is slowly losing that idea of we're for the people. More and more people are looking at Democrats who are hiding behind big tech and hedge funds and big media and stuff like that. Democrats really just don't seem like they're populist anymore. They seem like they're in the cool kids club. They have their exclusive little groups that you're not allowed into and you're starting to push the normal person out. And I think a lot of people are starting, that's why they gravitated towards a president Trump in 2016. And a lot of people who were Barack Obama supporters flipped over to president Trump because Barack Obama came into power on a message of changing things because he was a populist. He was for the people. He's very good at, at kind of delivering that message. He of course did not deliver on a lot of his promises, and then you had President Trump come along who said, hey, no, I'm actually a populist and came along and did a lot of populist things. But populism wins. Populism and kitchen table politics win. And there has to be a populist kitchen table, economical, efficient manner or answer to everything the left says. And the left thinks they have a monopoly on a lot of these issues. Going back to environmentalism, there are a lot of economical issues ways to address environmentalism here in the state of California. It doesn't all have to go through the government. It doesn't all have to be through higher taxes. Desalination plants. Here in San Diego, there's a desalination plant. I'll tell you a quick story. Here in San Diego, there's a desalination plant. Desalination plants started working. It was doing such a good job that they were starting to make more gallons than Sacramento actually agreed to. So Sacramento had a contract with them and said, hey, we'll buy water from you um, at so many gallons. I forget how many number of gallons it was. The desalination plant that was built started doing so well that they had too much water. So what happened was Sacramento said, well, we're not going to change our contract because we don't want to renegotiate and buy more water seemed kind of stupid, right? Because in California, we could always use more water. So what did they tell them to do? Well, just, I don't know, just throw it in the ocean. I think some of it got thrown into reservoirs, but most of it was just kind of wasted. So that's an example of when you allow unique technology companies or people to actually take these risks and be creative, you could solve the California water problem with desalination plants. Obviously, one in San Diego produced so much. That Sacramento even say, well, this is way too much water. We don't even know what to do with this. There's unique, creative, free market ways to address a lot of this stuff. And I think that's where Republicans have to go. I think they have to go on the idea that there are good solutions to securing homeless, more housing, um, issues like that, that we have to stay on message. And we have to stay on this populist message that... Appeals to the kitchen table politics of those who are looking for help. Whether they will actually end up crediting someone like President Trump for really pushing this there, pushing this new platform that will appeal to more people, who knows? But I think they saw how well it worked and what kind of Republican they're looking for and how it could work here in California. And who knows? This could be the beginning of the economic populist or the conservative populist here in California that really appeals to a lot of people and starts to change how things are done here in California. And as they say, as California goes, so does the rest of the nation. So with that, I'm going to end for today. Back to normal. See you on Wednesday. California Coffee and California politics. Follow me on Instagram, California Underground. Email me, California Underground at protonmail.com um and every friday afternoon subscribe like review all that stuff and i'll see you on the next one